You lovely folks who subscribe to this channel have made it very clear. You really want to hear more about systems architecture interviews. Okay, let's do it. In fairness, there really isn't much content out there about these interviews, at least not compared to the crazy amount of content out there about coding interviews. So this is actually the first episode in a systems architecture interview mini-series. We'll do one episode on each key aspect of succeeding in these interviews. If you're new to the channel, I'm Jack. I've been a tech interviewer for more than 10 years. I was a Facebook engineer from 2009 to 2016. And since then, I've been working in startups. I have built multiple hiring teams from hiring the recruiters to training up the interviewers. I stopped counting my own interviews at like 500, but to date, I've conducted somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand technical interviews. And that's everyone from bootcamp graduates through to MIT PhD holders. Teams I've built have hired engineers away from DeepMind and Google and Facebook and Amazon and Bloomberg and Twitter and Lyft. It's ironic, really, because most of the subscribers to this channel found it because recruiters at companies like Google and Lyft and Facebook, they tell people to watch my videos to help them have a better chance of succeeding in those interviews. It's, uh, it's the circle of life. So what I'm bringing you in these videos is hard-won knowledge based on hundreds. Wait, no, actually, it's literally thousands. Based on thousands of hours of hiring discussions and running interviews and making tough hiring choices, seeing how those people work out long-term. My goal here isn't to build my personal brand as an influencer or to sell you merch or sell you on expensive interview training courses. My goal in making these videos is to help you go into interviews knowing what it's all about and to help interviewers find actually good people. Look, hiring is much more random than anyone likes to admit. I make these videos to chip away at that randomness. I make these videos to help good people get hired by good teams. Okay, today we're going to go over one of the most important skills you need to succeed. This is one of the things that will maximize your chances of getting an offer in an architecture interview. And on the flip side, this is one of those things that if you don't do it, it's basically an instant fail for the whole interview. It's, it's that serious. So let's dive right in. The first and most important thing you should do when you're tasked with a systems architecture interview is clarify the question. As simple as that sounds, there's far more to it than you might guess. Stick around through this video and you might discover something that could get you high marks in a real job interview. Hey, by the way, did I tell you I started a company? Well, I did. We're Cord, Cord.com. We make an SDK for commenting, annotations, and other social features that you can use to enrich your existing application. Our SDK lets you build killer communications features super fast. And I mean like high-end collaboration stuff, not just like an input field with a send button. Our stuff gives you at mentions, sub-threads, like uh, threaded conversations, notifications, Slack integration. It's kind of sick. Look, I get to make these videos for you because of what we're doing at Cord. So if you dig these videos, check out our site. That's Cord. 
discord.com. Okay, back to the video. So the most important best practice you need to adopt if you're doing systems design interviews is to start by clarifying the question. So what does that mean? Well, let's start with the anti-case. Let's start with what not to do. Many people who don't have loads of interview experience will commonly start with a big misstep. The interviewer will give them the initial prompt and the person being interviewed will quite regrettably do one of two things. Number one, they'll jump in trying to solve the problem before they've understood it. This happens a lot. Or number two, they'll assume they're not allowed to ask for more information, that they're supposed to just jump in and run with the question. And in both cases, the same outcome usually happens. They haven't teased out enough details to make good progress. So they waste a huge amount of interview time wandering around the problem space unfocused. This can be fatal to your interview chances. That probably sounds obvious, right? Don't leap before you look. Put your socks on before you put on your shoes. Wipe your butt before you go. And yet, as I stand here today, I've done literally dozens of architecture interviews where the candidate definitely did not tease out the info they needed to succeed. But there they were, going for it anyway. Sometimes, as the interviewer, this is obvious to me. I can see they're diving in unprepared. Other times I only realize it maybe 10 minutes in, and by then they've already burnt so much interview time that even if I correct them, they've still massively hurt their chances of passing the interview. So that's what not to do. But what should you do? Ready? Here we go. First thing is catalog the details your interviewer has given you. When an architecture interviewer describes the problem they want you to solve, they are choosing their words very carefully. Well, okay, they should be doing that. Sometimes they won't. Uh, you can watch my video about when interviewers fail. If your interviewer is doing their job well, they aren't just chatting in a day-to-day -day conversational way. You're not here to share anecdotes or trade engineering blog post stories. Think about it more like an escape room or a conversation with the villain from an action movie. You know what I mean? Like where the villain and the hero have that fateful conversation, usually where the villain is about to like laser the hero in half or blow the hero up. In those movies, while that's happening, the villain accidentally gives away their entire evil plan. Think about these interviews like that. You are about to be lasered in half. The interviewer is giving away their entire evil plan. Now is the time to pay very close attention. And happily, unlike in those action movies, instead of the villain lasering you in half, the interviewer just stops and asks you to make use of the details they've just given you. Part of this interview is you showing the interviewer you can pay attention for key details. So when the interviewer says, great, the floor is yours, don't fall into the trap of immediately trying to design a distributed system. Instead, smash that like button. Ah, uh, sorry, I mean, instead, catalog what they told you. Try to recite back to them literally every important detail. 
Say, for instance, your interviewer says to you, in this interview, I'd like for you to try to solve the following problem. Imagine that you're building a competitor service to WhatsApp or Signal. Imagine you've managed to get some really good initial traction, and your app has 50 million users worldwide. Design a backend that can handle all of the messaging traffic that you're likely to see. Over to you. Did you get all of that? This isn't lie. You can pause. You can rewind that and play it back. But before you do that, my question to you is, how much did you get on the first listen? Can you repeat back literally every key detail? Here's something you might find interesting. If you are someone who has been doing a lot of interviewing recently, or especially if you are someone who has been an interviewer a lot, for these kinds of interviews, I mean, you can probably recite back exactly what the interviewer just said. And that's because listening for the key details is a skill. It's something you can practice. But if you're pretty early in your career, if you haven't done much systems work, if you haven't been an interviewer lately, well, then forget about 100% playback. Heck, you might find it a struggle to even hear any of the key details on the first pass. But fear not. Okay, look, yes, if you can get all of the key details on the first pass, that does look better. It's impressive for most interviewers. But also, if you can't get it all at once, that's okay too if. The big if here is if you follow up and catalog everything you've heard and ask the interviewer to fill you in if you miss something. So start with whatever details you can. Rehearse them to yourself. Use short-term memory techniques if you need to. Say the details out loud. Show the interviewer you're trying to get it all in. Just doing that will put you ahead of many candidates. Remember, interviewers don't know what's in your head. They're not psychic. Talking through your thoughts is incredibly helpful for the interviewer to follow along. Now let's try this with our prompt. I'll repeat it so you don't have to rewind. In this interview, I'd like for you to solve the following problem. Imagine that you're building a competitor service to WhatsApp or Signal. Imagine you've managed to get some really good initial traction, and your app already has 50 million users worldwide. Design a backend that can handle all of the messaging traffic that you are likely to see. Over to you. Was it easier to follow this time? It's a skill you can practice. So what are the key details? The first thing I note was competitor service to WhatsApp or Signal. Okay, so we're talking about messaging and chat at least, but those services also do video calls and audio calls. And both of those services offer end-to-end -end encryption. The interviewer didn't say anything about that though. Interesting. The second thing that jumps out is good initial traction. This detail is easy to miss, but to me that sounds like growth. That sounds like an increasing number of users over time, and that sounds like my solution to this problem needs to be scalable, not just able to handle the current traffic. The third thing I note is your app has 50 million users. Okay, that sounds like a huge number. Oh, but there's more. Fourth thing, worldwide. This detail is extremely important. 
both for estimating the peak traffic, peak usage, but also for thinking about things like network round trip time. A large number of globally distributed users probably forces my hand. I'll need to globally distribute my databases and my application servers. That makes things quite spicy. The fifth thing I note, they specifically tell me to design a backend. That might sound obvious, but it's actually super important. Some interviews will call for a full stack design. Some interviews will be focused on the client, the UI, the product features. This one is clearly focused on backend, but it still might be worth checking with the interviewer to make sure that their definition of backend matches your idea of what that is. Do they mean like low level operations? Or do they think of backend as more like the application server? Different interviewers will have different interpretations of basic ideas like what backend means. You should check with them. Talk with them about what their idea of what this is supposed to be is. So there we've got five crucial pieces of info already. Maybe you can see what I mean now when I joke about our interviewer being like a supervillain. They're not telling us their evil plan, but they're letting slip enough details that if we can just manage to escape from the shackles, we can defuse the bomb and save the village or whatever. Uh, actually, what I mean is we can now figure out what we still need to know. So very quickly, one more time, what do we know? We know we need a Signal-like or WhatsApp-like system. It has to be scalable. We're focused on the backend infrastructure. The user base is 50 million people and they are worldwide. That's what we've got to work with. At exactly this moment in the interview, we've got a choice. Do we A, dive in, start talking about specific architectural choices, or B, ask the interviewer a load of annoying questions, or C, run screaming from the room, flee to the countryside, and become pig farmers? Decisions. I'll tell you an easy decision. The decision to click that subscribe button. Go on then. Okay, A versus B versus C isn't really a decision, is it? The only reasonable answer is B. We still don't know enough to design this system. We can just make some guesses, like we can, but unless we're psychics, we're probably going to jump to incorrect conclusions. What do I mean? Well, for starters, we don't know if we're talking about just messaging, like literally text message content, or do we need to support video calls and audio calls? Do we need to support file attachments and group conversations? And the big one, end-to-end -end encryption. Signal and WhatsApp have all of those things. The interviewer didn't tell us, and unless we ask for clarification, we might not even be solving the problem they want to see us solve if we just dive right in. The next thing we have to know to proceed is what this big 50 million user user base number even is. Does that mean total number of rows in the user database? If so, that's probably a useless number because the number of active users is probably way lower. So that would dramatically impact our scalability needs. Or are these 50 million users per month? Or are they 50 million users per day? 
those numbers might be like 30x apart. We have to chase down that detail. Next, we need to understand what worldwide means. Does that mean true worldwide usage? Or is it concentrated in specific countries? The services used, for instance, across Africa tend to be very different from the ones used by folks in, say, China. We have to ask some follow-up questions about the geography of the users in order to design a performant backend. Even more, if this service operates in, say, China, or more recently in Russia, we've got some gnarly privacy-related questions to answer. <laughs> and yet, there are still other questions we need to ask. For instance, we were tasked with building a backend for a Signal or WhatsApp competitor. That certainly implies communication from mobile phones. But those services also offer desktop apps. That extra constraint has some big implications for us about things like push notifications, even basic stuff like routing messages and user sign-up, not to mention the complex cryptographic handshake required to synchronize multiple devices if they are end-to-end -end encrypted. The list of things to decide about goes on and on. If you rush into solution mode before you have clarified them, you stand a good chance of starting down the wrong path. If the interviewer clocks that you're solving the wrong problem, you have just lost points. You are one step closer to failing the interview. And that's if they notice. You might go far down that path before your interviewer understands and can bring you back. And in that case, you probably did just fail the interview. By contrast, if you follow the guidance here and start by cataloging what you have been told, and then catalog what you still need to know, you will look smarter and more thoughtful. And you will get a ton of clarifying details from your interviewer. They will literally tell you more things if you ask. In all of the architecture interviews I've done, there is an intriguing pattern. The pattern is more senior candidates spend more time asking questions. This makes sense. Senior people hate wasting time. They hate spending their brain power on the wrong stuff. Another example is how senior engineers are far more likely to just read the manual rather than bashing at the code or copying and pasting random stack overflow answers until something works. Senior people have learned the most efficient thing is actually figuring out what the hell you're doing in the first place. So be like them. I want to make it clear, the guidance I'm giving here is not a cheat code. You will not pass an interview solely based on asking loads of questions. That's not what I'm saying here. The reason this guidance is helpful might surprise you, actually. It's because your interviewer also doesn't want you to solve the wrong problem. Think about your interviewer. This person has probably asked this question dozens of times. They don't want to stand there watching you go off on some random side quest. They just want to see you solve the real problem they want to see if you can solve. They're not setting a trap for you. But they are looking for you to help yourself get through the details. That's why you should ask clarifying questions. This guidance also helps because by asking smart, clarifying questions, 
you actually show a lot of your knowledge. Interviewers are not psychics. They need you to show them what you know. Counterintuitively, by seeking details from them, you actually show the interviewers something they need to see. That is, how much of the picture you can hold in your head. This is a double-edged sword. If you ask loads of random, unfocused questions, your interviewer will know that you're not converging on a real solution to the problem. But also, if you're clearly chasing down details that remove the fog of war from the map, so to speak, if you're seeking to find a path through the problem, that will show in the questions you ask. Good interviewers absolutely love this because it's a very trustworthy signal. Think about this. If an interviewer just asks the candidate, are you good at clarifying fuzzy problems? The candidate will 99.999% of the time say, oh, of, co of course I am. They're trying to get a job here, right? That's not trustworthy signal for the interviewer. But if the candidate asks the interviewer questions that clarify a fuzzy problem right there in real time, that's the genuine thing. There's no uncertainty about that to the interviewer, about whether or not you can solve fuzzy problems. They don't need to ask you because you just demonstrated the skill and that will get you hired. So that's what I've got for you today. If you like this video, please give it a like. Your support really helps make these videos possible. Every new subscriber and every comment gives me more fuel to create content like this. If you have questions, please ask in the comments. I'll keep an eye out and I will try to respond to literally everyone. Thanks for watching.